You are listening to Investing Matters, brought to you in association with London Southeast. This is the show that provides informative, educational, and entertaining content from the world of investing. We do not give advice, so please do your own research. Hello, and welcome to the Investing Matters podcast. My name is Peter Higgins, and today I have the huge privilege of speaking to the hugely talented, multi-award winning information technology and software analyst, George O'Connor. George has got 25 years of experience working in the investment industry across many prominent companies. For those of you that are new to the Investing Matters series and who missed George's interview back in July, 2022, please go and check out podcast number 18. Therefore, I highly recommend you to go and listen to that fully get a grasp of where George has been and what he's done. I'm interviewing George again because lots has happened in the past 18 months, which George is going to share some of that with us um, in this um, interview, which we are which we are doing now in 2024. George, welcome back and thank you for agreeing to speak with me again and to share your vast tech experience and knowledge with our global Investing Matters audience, sir. Hey, Peter. Thank you very, very much for this opportunity to come back and hopefully uh, address all of the wrongs that I gave you uh, 18 months ago. And let's set the record straight. The, the problem is, in this age, it just lives online forever. George, you, were, you, you nailed lots of very, very, very accurate um, statements in um, 2022, mate. And things have moved on um, a little bit more. Um, we're going to cover a lot of ground today, so just let's give the audience a, a bit of groundwork here with what we're going to cover, um, including Magnificent Seven, FTSE, AIM Investing Opportunities, Risks, Mergers, Acquisitions, Takeovers, and much, much more. So um, this is why I've got you in here. You're, you're the expert, and you're going to answer a lot of questions for us and, and, and ensure that our investors that are listening get, go away from this podcast enlightened, I think that's the word, with insightful information. Now, George, I know the answer to this question already. However, for the benefit of our listeners, please, and I appreciate that you're an humble man, therefore this is not a, a very comfortable question for me to ask you, but I'm going to do it anyway because we're friends, okay? Um, but can you give us quickly a synopsis as to your career thus far, what you've achieved in the investment industry, so that our audience fully understands why the city holds you so rightfully in such high regard, sir. Okay, Ducky. Uh, um, thank you, Peter, for setting me up. Uh, that's uh, very decent um, of you. If, if I can say, uh, I uh, fully support what you're doing. Uh, for me, the democratization of information and data is hugely important. Uh, your audience is hugely important uh, to me, and I think you're doing an amazing job with, with what you're doing. Uh, so kudos to you. In terms of me, um, as you said, I've been uh, doing this for 25 years um, in the in the city, uh, covering uh, uh, technology, so defining technology fairly narrowly, uh, software and IT services, but if necessary, I'll do e-com stuff, and if absolutely necessary, I'll do hardware stuff um, uh, uh, as well. Um, done uh, lots of IPOs and lots of uh, secondaries and mayor culpa even the odd uh, rescue rights. 
Uh, prior to the city, I was an industry analyst uh, working with uh, IDC. So uh, vendors there or uh, customers there would be uh, large IT vendors, large buyers um, of technology, both private and uh, and and public sector. Uh, in terms of why I'm valued, if I can be so be so bold, um, I think it's this sort of been there, done that. Uh, kind of thing. Now, at the same time, um, I and in fairness, w we all have spent the last year getting our heads around um, Gen AI. And uh, w w w what is Gen AI? It's a large language model, or the LLM, to give it the uh, to give it the acronym that it's best known for. And, and what is that? It's a, it's a huge amount of data. And and what what does it do? It has uh, hallucinations every once in a while. And what also does it do? It's about uh, generating uh, content, which is the new in, in terms of uh, Gen AI. And what that does is that it gives you answers based on plausibility. Um, doesn't have to be right, it's about plausibility. And when I step back from it, I think, crikey, maybe I am the sort of the human personification of an LLM. That's where my career path, because I too suffer from hallucinations. I too suffer from uh, plausibility uh, rather than um, having, it, having it right. Um, for me, the, the key is curiosity. Uh, I love the subject. Unfortunately, it's just about technology. If, if I'm ever talking about commodities, you know I'm in the wrong room, uh, or rather we're not in, in Kansas. Um, I love the subject. I like to think I'm curious. Uh, I really enjoy uh, small companies because you're sort of always looking, uh, uh, looking for the new um, uh, uh, in that. So that would be, I would imagine, my USP, if, if that's not too grand uh, a, a title. Right. I, lo I love that response, George. And you're, you're always touching the fact that you're very, very curious. That's the reason why, um, you know, you're, 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 you're fantastic at research, you know. Um, and you're right, a lot has moved on um, over the past 18 months. Um, so I want to go back to where something we covered on the last podcast and interview. Um, we spoke 18 months ago, George, uh, now about the life cycle model of technology. What, in your view, has been the most significant changes we've seen across technology ecosystem since we last spoke? Uh, uh, great point, and well done you for referencing the life cycle model. Because if there's been any sort of change in terms of 18 months ago, it's, it goes back to the life cycle model. And, and the fact that now, talk to any sort of, not, not just sell side, analysts, but industry analysts likes of Gartner, Tech Market View, IDC, everyone is now talking about that life cycle model and the fact that Gen AI has introduced a new point um, of, that, uh, of, of that cycle. So it's a super exciting time, not just for the pair of us, uh, Peter, but, but indeed for all of your um, subscribers, as we can see something new on the horizon. And w what that does is that it gives us the opportunities of, of new uh, tech Technologies. Now, we, we all appreciate, as we look at life cycle models, that we've got this lovely S-curve. Um, so we start small and, and then we accelerate into it. And um, I, I'm reminded by um, uh, one of your podcasts, you had um, Stephen Yu on, and he was saying, we're just at the start um, of, of, of what 
Gen AI offers in, in terms of the tech industry, and I, I fully concur. Uh, now, we've had a number of, sorry, uh, Gen AI in itself isn't new. Um, it's been around for a while. If, if we look at the whole sort of development path of, of AI, we've had a number of uh, false dawns um, already, but this time it does feel as if it's hitting uh, prime time, and there's plenty of opportunity and, and road ahead. Now, what we also know is, is that in the initial stages of new technology, if we go back to, back to say, uh, the dot-com um, days, uh, that the market now will be characterised by winners and, and losers. In, in terms of the losers will have legacy tech, miss the sort of the tech change, uh, are slow to adopt to the new. And then in terms of uh, winners, that there's a number of attributes there as, as well. So we have sort of net new companies. We have existing companies that, that are able to pivot successfully in, into it. So, you know, for example, the winner in getting into your Magnificent Seven point, the, the winner perceived as NVIDIA. NVIDIA has been around for a long time. This is, this is not a new startup um, out of Silicon Valley. But, but then the next iteration of it, where, where we haven't seen yet, is companies, sort of natives, who are using this technology to do brand new things, to, to move business models into new areas. And they're possibly a good example, if we look to the UK, is somebody like an ASOS or in Ocado, they were only founded in the year 2000. So, so the underpinning technology around dot-com stuff, <laughs> e-com systems, they were already established um, by then. Um, so, so for me, part of the opportunity now is that the really interesting companies to take us through the next decade are only being founded um, right now. In this, uh, the UK has a huge opportunity. We already have an existing stable of AI companies. We're sort of number two in Europe in terms of the development and foundation of, of, of AI startups. And that creates massive opportunities for you and indeed um, your subscribers, but not yet. I love that response, George. We're going to cover the um, Magnificent Seven and the UK markets a bit more late, later on. I want to touch on something here, though. Um, should we caveat some of the AI hype, especially given the hype only less than 18 months ago and the vast sums of money that was spent on what was then the metaverse hype? Um, now versus AI, we, we barely hear anything talked about the metaverse. Uh, very good. So, so one of the really interesting things uh, about last year, uh, 23, was that Gen AI basically eclipsed all other tech themes. Um, there was nothing else we needed to talk about. Indeed. It was only um, Gen AI. And if anyone had another story, it was just going to be dismissed uh, by the market um, anyway. And you could say, as, as you overlay, if you look at, say, the, the Gartner uh, hype cycle, uh, we're at sort of you know, the, 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 the peak there in, in terms of the, the, the hype wave. And what we can never say is that this time it's different because history tends to repeat lots of stuff is, is cyclical. But what, what I think everyone is attracted to is the growth in adoption uh, on, on Gen AI. So, so for example, uh, ChatGPT, the fastest app to get to um, 100 million 
users. Now, admittedly, uh, threads came along uh, after that, but we've seen massive adoption from an, an end user perspective. And you could say, George, a lot of that is tar kicking. Absolutely, <laughs> a lot of that is tar kicking. But we've also got use cases um, appearing in, in terms of what do I do with the text generation as I can you know, uh, uh, create images and and create voice outputs um, uh, around it. Then the other side is that if we look into the wider industry, we're finding the app vendors using it as well. Possibly the best example, um, uh, not not to go down the sort of the product placement route, is Bing and what they're doing on search. So making search easier for everyone, but you can start to see it filter through uh, into our lives. If you're a university student, clearly it's it's a great help for you in, in terms of, you know, digging through chunks and chunks of data on one side, but then also, of course, creating the outputs um, on, the, on the other side. Part of the concerns, uh, particularly in, in terms of uh, text-to-image uh, 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 generation, at the moment, you've got the whole fake industry, which is going to go ballistic. So, so 2024 is a year is, is a big year for elections uh, in in terms of uh, across the world. You can just see uh, what bad actors might be able to do there in in terms of influencing uh, broader uh, democracy. I was interested in uh, Gervais Williams, one of your contributors at your last uh, podcast. He factored up the whole notion of, of political risk next year on, on, the, on the back of citizens doing what they're not expected to do, which I think could be uh, very interesting in, in terms of the direction of the markets in uh, 2024. And we can, we can mm -hmm. feel that Gen AI will be one of the underlying technology enablers for bad actors to, to do things. But in fairness, not just bad actors and not, in fairness, not just students, but, but if, if we look at the industry generally, we're talking about a large dislocation in, in terms of roles. So for me, I don't know for you, Peter, but but a lot of my life is about fairly low value add uh, data work where I'm inputting series of, of of data, and if we go back to Gen AI, what does it stand for? Well, Gen is about generating uh, brand new brand new content, so you can have your co-pilot sitting right beside you it's admittedly it's it's an automation tool and working together and what that should do is drive productivity it's early days in it but we are seeing productivity gains from software developers who are using uh, gen ai tools to to write code and indeed to to verify uh, code so i completely <laughs> understand your point Where's VR gone? Kind of thing. What what happened to uh, AR? But but what we saw in twenty three was that Gen AI was a wave that that came through and washed, eclipsed uh, all of the themes. That doesn't mean that they don't exist; that they've gone away, never n never to return. Um, but but they have absolutely been been sort of you know submerged by this sort of t tsunami in in terms of uh, Gen AI. Well, one of my hopes is that for twenty twenty four we actually see more of those themes start to bubble up again uh, as some of that early enthusiasm uh, around Gen AI starts to think, well, moving beyond the sort of the what now stage, and it's too early in terms of broad corporate adoption, you know, what should we be looking at? Um, so, for, for example, um, uh, uh, if we look at the EVs industry, you can say, Joy, you're still getting records in terms of the numbers of cars and numbers of, of, of batteries, but we still haven't seen enough enthusiasm. And that was a bubble that, 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 
predated um, that. We, we've also got sort of you know the Bitcoin, not so much Bitcoin, but in terms of blockchain and the underlying opportunity that 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 that, that technology uh, can offer us as well. So yes, lots and lots of things. I, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole here but you know what's happened to geo g5 what's happened to all of those really interesting iot or internet of things uh, use cases that we would have been talking about four year, four years ago you know, g5 is there we're almost sick of it where we want g6 now kind of thing uh, to uh, to start uh, coming down so you know lots but again lots to get really interested in but yes that was the shock of um of jenny it just came in and it rolled over everything yeah Indeed. I mean, the interesting thing um, with regards to what you said about Bing and, and, and also the electric vehicles thing is all the AI that's going into the vehicles now and into the search. And we're also, I don't think we're that far away from having inbuilt AI within our computers. There's talk about the next Microsoft computers and the next Apple computers having AI built in so we can, you know, expedite and do things much quicker going forward. So, you know... I don't know. It's going to be we're changing a start. lot of work, I think, for a lot of people, which I will talk about a bit later on. Yeah, we're only at the start of over. Right. So we, you've touched on it there a little bit. Yeah. You know, 2023 and the start of 24 has been incredible for you, for the US behemoths. Um, Tech stocks, most notably the Magnificent Seven, which we'll talk about later. However, as you touched on, you're a growth guy, George. Um, you do a lot of work in terms of the underlying demand of equations. Um, which is critical for researching stocks and um, ensuring that people get good value. Therefore, you tend to go smaller rather than larger. Um, so firstly, tell me what data points and research process you go through for finding those smaller tech growth compounders, please. Uh, right, okie dokie. And I, I, I should add to it, uh, it's been a bad year for growth. Uh, it's been a bad year for tech growth. It's a better year for tech income. Uh, remember, in, in, in tech, you have lots of different types of companies, lots of different uh, underlying business models, lots of different points of maturity in, in terms of the, the life cycle model. So you can play tech from a, from a more conservative uh, uh, footing as well, um, uh, by the way. These companies tend to be larger, but, but they are income uh, uh, paying tech stocks. And of course, you still get uh, exposure to the, you know, uh, sex and violence side in terms of the pure growth side um, of, of, of tech. In terms of the digging, uh, Peter, it's it's a lot of that data work. Uh, just going through different companies, uh, what are they up to? How do they work? How does how does cash work in, in that business? What, what is the management team like? Uh, both of us are probably still struggling for what, what's the best formula to understand a good management team from, from a bad management team. And for me, it's just about consistency in, in terms of the, of the group. And it, there's no sort of you know, numbers-based formula. You just got to just, just go through the motions uh, time and again. I confess, um, we, uh, we, we both know that the CEOs and CFOs that we meet are all heavily coached, so they talk a very articulate coherent structured narrative in terms of building their investment case so we, we both of us need to try and go beneath that to understand what's going on so you do stuff like LinkedIn uh, Glassdoor I don't know if you look at Glassdoor so so what are they actually saying now admittedly you can say George I go to Glassdoor and it's like a trip advisor for disgruntled staff uh, kind of thing you spend too much time in there just 
close the blinds, sit at home, <laughs> kind of an idea. But we will uh, we will use that as well. Remember, for a tech company, 70% uh, of your operating cost are the people who walk in and, and walk out um, every day. And, and that, that dynamic has been really interesting uh, through COVID and now as we emerge out of COVID, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, what is the utilization like? So what kind of work rates are you getting from the people? Uh, how much do you charge them? So, so really trying to understand the skills bench that these companies have, you know, paying more, you're getting better. Or else you can say, George, cynically, maybe you're just overpaying. <laughs> and then you have issues around attrition. Do they stay or do they go? That, the, the, those numbers have been all over the place. So there you're trying to build industry models. So for this company at this stage of its life, what should those staff related uh, numbers uh, look like? In addition to that, then you've got to find endorsements from sort of from from the wider community so the industry has this nps it's called net promoter score in there you'll find existing users typically uh, rating the company and then would you say i will recommend this to a friend and, and, and there you build up this scoring model um the good news in in the modern world is that you can find nps services online so, so it's not as difficult as it was in addition to that then you, you've also got other customers talking about their experiences uh, about products not from an nps side more of an experience point of view and there you can go from one end you've got TripAdvisor saying X about my supplier da 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 when you get more serious and grown up you've got um, ratings agencies like G2 they do a lot in terms of the enterprise and again this is for uh, software uh, uh, products and then you've got the likes of Gartner Group they will also have um, it's called Peer Insights and that they will go in there where you where, where it's existing customers talking about their products now you're going to say George won't companies game those and you say well every company will absolutely try to game them so so what you're looking for is consistency over time and sort of what moves what what, what moves um, what moves the needles if you look at something like uh, Glassdoor I'm going to say I've got, I've got 10 years of Glassdoor on a monthly uh, basis looking at what you know what staff are saying about about their, their, their about their employer um, so yeah yes yeah, so that's uh, yes be curious um, as I said LinkedIn to find people but then the other side uh, is shoe leather uh, go uh, find out uh, uh, technology companies are sales machines you know done right technology companies are sales clearly you've got to have great product um, so so they will be visible at trade shows conferences events so go and go and see them brilliant I love that response I love you touched on the, the NPS um, scores there as well which very few people talk about as well George so you mentioned um, Cardo and ASOS earlier. Um, please, can you share some of the stocks that meet your criteria, given that you've done that research process? You know, you're wanting smaller ones, you don't want behemoths. Is there any others that meet your criteria that you're thinking, you know what, are underlooked now because everyone's looking at the big seven? Oh, right. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, uh, well done. So, yeah, what are the defining attributes is that everyone's looking at the, everyone's looking at the, at the Magnificent Seven. And in terms of portfolio allocation, it's I've got here in Magnificent Seven, what else should I do kind of thing. And the play for last year Absolutely. was I just park it all there. <laughs> 
don't don't be silly. Yeah. Uh, and now what we've got then following on from that is we've got that um, uh, valuation gap with with the US and and UK that enables that to break because we haven't had Absolutely. a magnificent seven. Getting so wider and wider. Absolutely. So, so so that happens there. But then the downside is that when you look into that, then on a company specific basis suddenly it doesn't absolutely work because what you find is that uh, people in in the sell side industry are constantly saying well in the uk we don't have any peers for company abc so we will look globally so so you will find that they you, you will come to sort of a mean revision in in terms of individual companies on an individual um uh basis but nonetheless you can look into our local UK market and then find areas where the market has lost interest in and you know this is always a really interesting time uh, when you find those overlooked companies now I'm reminded of uh, it was um, it was at Annabelle's uh, comments on your last podcast that this is still a difficult year in in, in terms of her uh, guidance um, commentary, and I would absolutely support that. So, so when we say we must have troughed from a valuation perspective in in terms of in terms of the UK, uh, you still have this issue that you know that the, the macro environment is still um, challenged. Uh, we we both saw this morning as we woke up and. Uh, we we plugged into uh, London Southeast and and sort of the the news flow there was we had the guys at Aptitude Software uh, FY trading update you know okay-ish I think shares down sort of two uh, percent we had uh, Sir Martin at S4C uh, okay-ish you know shares down about about two percent but no further deterioration which was uh, Bit of a good news. We we had Cooth on the health tech side. You know, uh, was broadly in line. Shares uh, down around the same. So 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 there seems to be. Uh, well, then you can say George. And remember, you 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 two profit warnings last week, <laughs> but not today. Uh, but not today. But generally, corporate earnings seems okay-ish. But but clearly, the mainstay of companies have not reported in in terms of FY period end. And then as as we look ahead this year, we've got the whole higher for longer thing going on but but balancing that we've got spending growth in terms of the tech sector so we've got a little pullback there its relationship with our companies and with valuation is is difficult it's not straight line it's it's more directional but you could say well that's starting to get better clearly from the geo side we've got contagion from Gaza, we've all, all got this concern in 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 terms of uh, Taiwan. So you'd say not not a not an amazingly superb year in terms of how it's stacking up. And then of course we've got the whole elections thing as well that we're fretting about. But if you sort of park all those and say generally it's getting a little bit better, generally valuations seem to have troughed. Indeed, sort of incrementally. Uh, sort of January on December, those numbers have nudged a little bit better, not, not, not dramatically so. And clearly what we're looking for is a positive turn in, in terms of sentiment. But sort of generally, da 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 looks a bit better. Now I should be dipping in kind of thing. And you can look at areas, I was talking about staffing um, earlier, you can look at areas like the IT uh, uh, professional services um, side of the market, 
people like, I don't know, let's say Kanos and TPX and Meta, as you look in terms of the UK uh, market. What, what we've seen as India has, has reported, so the HDL, Wipro uh, of this world, we, we started to see the, the KPIs turn for the better there. Now, absolutely, revenue is still drifting down, but you know we all know that already. That's all reflected in in terms of forecasts. Uh, but they're getting better utilisation um, for the staff. They've got less attrition. They've got revenue drivers from Gen AI, which is um, uh, at the moment from a, a market perspective. If you say, "How do I buy exposure to Gen AI?" Fine, a video. That's how to do it. If we look at that same answer from a practitioner, he'll say, well, so you, you've got the chip part, but that doesn't mean I can actually get any practical use case. And typically what you'll find is that they will bring in a professional services company, put a little group together here, develop this, see where it's going. It'll start off in a very small scrum, little little test environment. And then if, if people can see a bigger ROI, then they will sort of you know, develop the product into a line of business at, at company ABC. So professional services companies, um, although they're not developing the underlying uh, technologies and architectures, are early winners in new cycles. Just because a customer, a CIO, a, a chief information officers, I don't know what I'm doing with this. Let me bring in some some people um, who do. So what we see, and we saw this through the H2 last year, is that the professional services companies uh, skilled up in order to learn about learn about the technology and create use cases. And this year they stand a really good chance in in terms of gaining gaining revenue um, out of it. So I would be looking for that area, which in terms of the companies they've been utterly sold down uh, through sort of year you know, 23 and into 24. There's a little wrinkle in this uh, happy um, scenario. We also have a UK election <laughs> uh, uh, this year nice. and typically spend, sorry, uh, public sector IT spend just, just goes into a, a little bit of a moratorium or around then. Um, so, so you could find some, you know, uh, sort of generally cautious statements um, um, not now, but into sort of H2 when they're looking at the short-term uh, outlook. Um, especially so if there's a regime change, um, you'd say, you know, more deeper change uh, might occur there. Um, and we've seen this in prior uh, regime in terms of government um, changes. The other one I'd look for, uh, I mentioned it uh, briefly, is on the IoT side. Um, AIM is home to a number of really interesting small little IoT uh, companies. I don't know if you know the guys at Microlize or not, sort of a little uh, transport company, but we've got a whole group of them. And they were absolutely forgotten about last year as it was Gen AI or nothing kind of thing. But very solid uh, use cases in there, lovely customer uh, traction and some great technology solutions. So you could, you could find those guys getting more airtime uh, this year um, uh, um, uh, as well. Yes. Um, if we look in on the application um, side of life, the strong pull there from the US side. So valuations there remain high. And remember, think of sort of sell side, creating my investment case. I'm always looking at the peers. So you'll find that th th that group are more expensive. 
the, the then the next side comes on the infrastructure side um, that the likes uh, if you know computer center or softcat or bytes they all struggled last year um sorry that, that, that's not fair uh, operationally there were issues last year in terms of the decline of pc volumes but that industry now sees a turn in terms of uh, 24 they did really well from a tsr total shareholder return uh, perspective but but structurally these are cheap these are cheap shares um, and you could say you know improving dynamics they do well plus those companies tend to be income focused so they will uh, I believe do, do well in these sort of in these uncertain uh, times um, if we go back to tech in sort of 2003 four five six um, what investors wanted then wasn't growth tech, it was income tech, uh, but it was income tech that had growth attributes, the ability to get into new adjacencies, that, that kind of thing. But but importantly, to generate and distribute cash. I, I feel as I've, I've got Gervais Williams in the back of my brain from your last one saying, this is what we want. <laughs> and, I, and I wholeheartedly, exactly. and, and those companies could, could have a good year as well this year. And they're, they're sort of, you know, cheap in the, in the scheme of things but but new operational momentum uh, creeping in brilliant i love that thorough response and um, thank you very much for that reply george now i'm going to um, switch things up a little bit and ask you some personal questions regarding your own <laughs> personal investing george if i may be so bold um regarding your own investing strategy that and your allocation um i don't want to make the presumption that you're just purely tech 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 in, in all your investments so please share with us um where you invest how do you invest? And also, are you a lumpy investor, long-term investor, a proactive investor? Are you a fine selecting Buffett investor? What sort of investor are you? Thank you very much. I am a growth, growth guy. Um, I, I have to bring the day job home with me and, and say that's who I am, uh, for, for, for better or for ill. So you'll say, George, that means you've had two really bad years in a row and this year has also started off not particularly well so yes um uh that's uh the uh, so that's that, that that's what i am uh scratch me and, and that's and that's what you'll find um one of the opportunities coming out of the investment banking world is that you're now freer in in terms of what you can invest in from your from your own account as, as opposed to buying uh, buying funds so I am absolutely um, looking forward um, to that I believe in the life cycle model um, so I am looking for the, the next generation of new uh, but but also this other time you um, you, you mentioned Buffett so I'm going to throw it back to you Peter and say look it's it's your fault uh, but but to buy when others are fearful um, is something that absolutely. I hold dear to and then absolutely to to hold on to them because it's it's not in a straight line you'll say George it is in your financial model uh, but uh, but business doesn't operate in a straight line so to to have them and hold on to them and and appreciate that at, at the bottom that that's when you make the greatest gains in in terms of the in, in terms of the long term yeah. absolutely true. i think the beauty of what you just said there is that it, the, the people put a lot of importance on last year's returns or two years returns but you've been investing now for 20 odd plus years it's about decade returns and what your potential retirement plans are or your family plans are and your total returns over 25 35 40 years is what matters 
That, that's right. But but also, Peter, what we mustn't forget is to, to love a profit warning. Uh, sometimes you can get com great companies. Remember, business doesn't move in a straight line. Uh, they'll have a profit warning. The, the shares are down 40 percent. Um, and you think, wow, so do I understand why this profit warning occurred? Um, what, what we're seeing is that the hot money has drifted out of the share. Could this be a really nice um, entry point? Um, so, so there's a number of shares that you'd really like. You'd love them to have a profit warning kind of thing. This could be one of those years. <laughs> and then you can buy them at a great price. Again, it, it goes back to Buffett, mm. but it, you know, to, to get great companies at great prices is difficult. But sometimes a profit warning will give you that that wonderful opportunity. But understand why they buy when there's a fearful. <laughs> yeah, buy when there's a fearful. Exactly. Now you've touched on it a little bit there, George. Opportunities to buy, um, buying when there's a fearful. What about the potential triggers for you in your own personal portfolio? You you bought this stock. You've done all the research. Your plan was to hold it long term. What could be the caveats where you go actually? This whole research of mine has completely been turned on its head. I have to exit at this stage now. Uh, right. So, so, so that will be where where you no longer share the fundamental view uh, with the with, with the management team. Um, I think this is the market that they should be going. Remember this: the difficulty with a management team sniff test. It's just about Absolutely. consistency. Uh, so, if they if they change track. Uh, kind of thing do do something else um the other one is is m a and I know you're keen to talk about m a but m a can get them into new areas um it can get them into scary new areas that maybe they shouldn't be in um um so so to be that when when you have a, a disagreement about where you think they should be going and and, and where they are uh where where they are taking their 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 business um yeah Brilliant. I mean, you touched on it there. Style drift, I think, is what you're you're referring to when companies move move away from where they ultimately should be focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at the same time, what we do love is companies that are able to exploit adjacencies. So, for example, you know, I'd met. Um, uh, sorry, I, I, I mentioned Computer Center earlier. Um, uh, amazing in, in terms of adjacencies. From what looks like a cookie cutter model, isn't isn't at all. Uh, I remember, was it? Um, I'm going to say 18 months ago, uh, as I usually do, reading the Times of India, and the local computer centre manager was giving a presentation on the opening of a new building. The the, the new building could cater for 5,000 FTEs. And it's like, well, they're nowhere in India. What on earth is going on? <laughs> kind of an idea. And then, wow. then, then, then you think, wow, amazing, go for it. So it could look like adventurism on on one side, but but it makes great business sense uh, for them. Uh, enables them to 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 compete not in india but but in terms of the uk where they're competing against the likes of say you know with pro or, or in india you know gr great thinking you know absolutely go for it yeah but no I, i'm not against uh, adjacencies if you can see the underlying uh, rationale it, it's when they're offered ad adventureering <laughs> brilliant brilliant love that response now now george with regards to markets i'm going to quote here now uh, the broker peel hunt and recently warned, I think we're going back to December now, that the relentless pace of de-equitization driven by a depressed UK stock market valuations will likely continue unless action is taken and, imp and impacts are made quickly. Now, low valuations have been impacting the markets for quite a while, and we see acquirers coming left, right and centre, um, acquiring our beloved companies. 
Um, what immediate actions are needed to address the current issues facing UK capital markets in your view? Uh, very good. Um, I saw the piece, actually, that was by uh, Charles Hall at Peel Hunt. That was a great piece. And Charlie has loads of of insightful, he should be your next podcast, uh, thinking in, in terms of what do we do next? Um, and in fairness, both of us, as I said, we both logged into London Southeast this morning and gone through the news. And of course, one of the bits of news was uh, smart tech. Um, and that was a proposed acquisition uh, by private equity. And there's been an awful lot of that. Um, pr private equity, sorry, that's, that's not fair, just, just private equity, because th th there's also trade um, acquisitions uh, as well. Yeah. But the underlying formula is that everyone will pay about a 50% premium to the undisturbed price. And in fairness, mm -hmm. that's, that, that, that's what smart tech announced this morning and said board would be minded if it came to to, to recommend it um uh, as an offer would be about 90p shares sort of 60p i can see that that makes sense and and that's why they um that they would do it shares are only up um 23 which is a little bit annoying because <laughs> the, the, that acquisition uh, will go through so somebody's leaving money on the table suggesting that maybe the the thinking is that the, the acquisition won't go through but i mean we're, we're all followers of, of bird in the hand if somebody's giving you money you probably take it uh, and then deploy it um elsewhere if you're on the market you're effectively for sale um, every day. The best defence about it is, is get share prices up. Um, uh, now, you can say if this was America, you'd have a whole structure of poison pills which would, which, which would kick in. And then, of course, on, you'd also have another regulatory environment on, on top of that as well, which, which would make it more difficult. But, but, but the UK model for good or, or ill is is to let these uh, happen now at the same time um the, the cma uh, competition and and markets uh, I, i've never seen them uh, so so aggressive as they've been in the past few years sort of you know trying on um their their, their new spurs but but for me the most important thing is to get the share price get get some momentum in in terms of share prices for management teams to actively court their investors so investors don't think hang on the bird in the hand isn't any good because i know this company can deliver x in an 18 month you know 12 month 18 month you know 24 month period so i'm actually more comfortable because i can see the the the, the upside um uh, here uh, more so than going down the regulatory world saying no this is ours i, I think it's a strength of, of the uk that we are so open in 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 terms of our companies and and where ownership um, lies um, and, and then should we say to institutional investors and retail investors no vote against it but, but by all means say it but then make it more attractive to hold on to those shares and that's really by the management team saying this is who we are this is where we're going and the, the more expensive you make it as in the share price goes up the harder it is then for the buyer <laughs> to justify the 50% premium that they will pop on that uh, that share price the only nuance to this is that what we find in terms of buyer type is that private equity will pay about half what a trade buyer 
will pay uh, for the for the underlying assets. So in that sense, you say, well, your message for companies is, look, if you're on the market because you want to be acquired, then court the trade, <laughs> not uh, private equity, because you will do a better job there for your shareholders. Now, at the same time, a number of management teams, you know, they will also go through a life cycle. And tech has been a great industry for baby boomers who now want to retire. So you would say for them, you know, it, it, it just forms part of it. And then you'd say, well, in that case, then it's up to boards to ensure you've got really good succession planning. So you've got a next generation of CXO staff who are really up for it. So as the baby boomers retire out, we, we've got a team who really wants to drive it forward. And they will have the confidence of shareholders in order to in order to achieve that. So so look to succession planning as, as a way of, of stopping willing sellers. The other side is, if we go back to the tech cycle, we do have an underlying product story. So some products mature, they go X growth. That's been one of the lessons as we've looked through our ARR uh, tables um, for the last uh, two quarters now. Um, so in that sense, you want a team to reinvest in terms of the product, make it fit for purpose, you know, have the Gen AI offer uh, kind of a thing and drive fresh growth because that, that creates energies in companies which then uh, feeds through but then the other side is I don't know what to do anymore you know then for some companies you'd say well it's correct that you found a new buyer and you know in, in technology you have companies that develop features and then these features can become product companies but in time these features will actually be better off if they're subsumed as part of a larger offer you know um, micro focus being taken out as being uh, as being one, one of the 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 best illustrations um, uh, of, of, uh, of that so you can say in that sense it's a fairly normal natural part there and all you should do is try and get the best price that you that you possibly can uh, a number of companies come to London come to the market in order to raise their profile because they just want to get acquired you know why stop them kind of thing. I've worked with a number of companies over the years and that was their game plan. And and for them, the best thing to do was get the share price up, get lots of people talking, create lots of buzz around the share. And then investors then gain and benefit. What we really need to do is not just get share price up, but make London more attractive in, in terms of getting new companies to list in here, because that's the other side of that story. It, it's companies exiting, but then not enough companies joining uh, joining the exchange. Brilliant. I love that you've covered all those points there, George. I wanted to just go back a little bit, if I may, regarding the private equity side. And some of the stats that I've read recently were saying that private equity firms are currently sitting on $2.5 trillion in excess of. Um, now, that seems to me to be leaning towards the fact that a lot of dry powder is still sitting there. So the problem we've got, or the issue we could have, is that even more UK-listed FTSE AIM companies are acquired. Um, how, how do we reduce this, and how do we increase the potential of these companies actually saying, as you just said there, you know, CEOs and CFOs going, no, we're not selling. We want to we want to be growing this company for the next five, ten years. You know, some of them are introducing buybacks, you know, to try and increase the value of the of the shares. Um, but there doesn't seem to be enough going on. And my concern, and you're working in the tech sector, is that we may not over the long term have a meaningful tech sector listed tech sector. 
So first off, the UK is a hotbed of startups. So there's no shortage in terms of companies. So that's a great start. Uh, yeah. in, in addition, unlisted, we've got uh, unlisted and we've got some amazing software engineers creating global products. And we've got companies who, who are themselves setting themselves up in order to be global champions. So so we've got a we've got a tech economy in the UK, which for me has never been healthier. In addition, if we look at, at buyers in terms of the buyers of technology, uh, never before has has that constituency of people said, yes, I will buy off, you know, no name or very poor brand name UK companies, you know, and I work at DeLorean uh, kind of thing when I should only be buying from IBM, you know, that's th th that sort of an idea. So this is uh, the UK is is an absolutely vibrant, exciting, uh, dynamic market. And what we need to do with the companies is, is get them more ambitious. So don't sell out at the first opportunity. Stay, grow mm -hmm. and develop. But but at the same time, I've talked to so many um, uh, sort of CEOs and they said, George, you know, but, you know, I hadn't I had never had a house. I was able to sell out and buy a house. Isn't that the most amazing thing? Um, and then others then will say afterwards, yeah, I bought a house. In fact, I bought a couple of houses, but now I'm a little bit bored. So I'm on to my next um, uh, startup. So you, so, so you will see that dynamic um, as well. Uh, in, in fairness to Charlie Hall and the guys at uh, Peel Hunt, uh, they're also sort of arguing the case that the, the, the UK needs to be a better environment in order to list a company. And we need to look better relative to other exchanges and and other venues I'm a, I'm a big supporter of that but but for, for you Peter and and for all of your subscribers an IPO is is about buying and selling new shares a key element has to be to go to the buyers of these shares and say well what would make it more attractive for you to invest in in IPOs? And, and at the moment, my concern is, is that all of the narrative and the proposed legislative changes are all about making it easier for companies to list, but but, but not easier for investors of, of all categories to buy uh, new shares. You, you are correct. There's plenty of dry powder um, around and plenty of institutional investors say, I'd love to buy another IPO. Give me some great IPOs. And then they're presented with cab payments kind of thing. So we have to be a lot smarter in terms of the community of, of, of preparing companies. And then it's not just getting them on the market, it's what happens next in order to drive shareholder uh, value. Because if you make money once, you'll press the rewind button and say, let me do that and, and, and buy another one. Um, absolutely. And I think that the, the investor community it tends to be forgotten about in all of these discussions on how to make London a more, a more attractive place. Uh, initiatives, which I absolutely agree and support with, but I think there's a, there's a big element w which isn't really being talked to. Uh, rant over, really Peter. <laughs> no, I love that response, George. I love that response, and that's why that's why I stoked you there to get you to get you to just come out because I know you're full, full hearted in in in, the, in your views regarding what could be done for the markets, and you're a champion for better markets, you know, and and, and making it more more appealing for investors, you know, young and old. So that's why I'm, I've got you on the show to answer these questions. Now I'm conscious of the time we've got um, left for this, George. So I'm, so I want to just go back a little bit, if I may and go back to that cohort, the Magnificent Seven cohort, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, Apple, Alphabet, Nvidia, and Tesla. Now, you have, a, you have a slightly different view about that particular cohort. So I'm going to ask you these two questions in parallel. 
which ones are you positive on regarding that cohort and which ones are you negative on regarding 2024 out of that cohort? Okie dokie. Uh, very good. So, so I think the market will, will want them all uh, as we go deeper through uh, 2007. My, my real hope is that the market looks beyond the magnificent seven um, and says wow what are the other companies that that can gain um from this but at the moment where we're blinkered now the other side to this peter is that if you're looking at something like nvidia the numbers are just awesome their ability to blow forecasts out of the water their ability and this came through in the last quarter to generate cash is is phenomenal and success as we both know begets um success so there is real dynamism um uh, in there um absolutely so so you'd say wow uh I'm going to say that they have an 80% share of of um, AI GPUs. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, I know Sam Altman has been talking about raising funds with Taiwan in order to create um, a disruptor in this market. But you say at the moment um, they're in they're in they're absolutely in the driving seat. The numbers are phenomenal. They're, they're raising cash, and that gets us then into what they will all do next which is really what they've been doing um, and that's making acquisitions so buying up their potential competitors before their competitive these potentials really hit their stride so unlike last prior technology cycles um i don't know if you yeah. know sort of netscape who once upon a time a big name uh digital equipment who once upon a time a big name leaders in prior cycles which which didn't make it beyond the initial beyond the initial rush um and and the the problem with the seven is that they're being very smart in 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 terms of where is this end market going to go my, my hope is that the investment community looks beyond them and say well we've got some great companies who are also you know moving through that um that market but it, at the moment we're blinkered and herd mentality is taking over now that said Given the gains, uh, people will naturally want to pocket uh, winnings. That is an absolute correct approach to take. And on that, there will be naysayers um, as, as well. So the whole groundswell that we saw in 23, that will need to be supported by by numbers coming through this year. But if NVIDIA's last print is anything to go by, wow, those numbers are amazing to come. Indeed, I, went, I did. I did something on, on one of my other podcasts, the, um, the Twin Peaks podcast, and a bit of research I found going back to January two thousand and ten. Is that right? Yeah, two thousand and ten. Um, ten thousand pounds invested in Nvidia <laughs> is now worth, after fourteen years, one point three five eight million. <laughs> you know, staggering. So long-term investing can work. Now, you touched on something really important, as with all the stuff you've said already, George. Um, it's important for all investors, institutional and otherwise, to be careful of the potential risk of overpaying. How do, how do we ensure that, as investors, we don't overpay? Because, as you said, NVIDIA carries on smashing 80% up, 50% up regarding revenue. But how do we ensure regarding some stocks you don't overpay? So, your classic analyst answer is just just watch the ratio. What is the valuation ratio? Where does it sit relative to other companies? Um, the, the the issue with the Magnificent Seven is that I can find more expensive tech stocks, 
without a huge amount of difficulty. In in addition to that, <laughs> that is they, they have a growth profile attached to them as well. So you won't look at the near number, you look at the out number. Um, and they're shooting great nice. growth um, out there um, as well. And then the other side of it is that we appreciate we're only at the start of a cycle here. So that will further depress those multiples that at the moment look like a white knuckle ride. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll the, the argument is built on the the, the ratios valuation ratio. Excuse me, but but not on this year. But look, look at the out years um, um, in there. And then the other thing is, is that people don't want to get sucked into a rally. You you naturally don't want to get sucked into a rally. So in there, you're looking for a pause point. I mean, you love to say pick it up on the profit warning, Peter. But uh, you're probably unlikely to to walk into one of those uh, in the in in the mm -hmm. short term. Brilliant. Love that response. Now, I've come to the time. I've got two more questions for you, George. I've got a naughty question and a really good question to end with. <laughs> right. Should the fund, wealth, asset management and research investment industry have any concerns about the potential threat to businesses, their businesses, due to the application of AI and generative AI? So, yes, I, I don't know if you're getting my research, but um, about a year ago, I wrote a piece calling I've just lost my job to Gen AI. And it was partly tongue in cheek, but partly <laughs> I remember to, it well. to what I said earlier was a, a lot of my job is sort of fairly repetitive data entry uh, kind of stuff. For me, it's important to be close to the numbers. So it's a pleasure. It, it lengthens the work day. It's a pleasure to do. If you get too far away from the numbers, then you, you've lost my view. You, you've lost it. But clearly, you can still talk. Um, uh, so, so, so that is a concern. So absolutely, that's a concern. But But it's a concern across the the, the knowledge worker um, world, um, and particularly so those of us in the West, it's a it's a bigger in in mature economies. It's a, it, it's a big risk there. So absolutely, I go to Copilot. It's the person. It's the it's the app working beside me, making me more productive. But then you can say, George, well, Copilot now. But you know, believe me, he's after your job at some stage. <laughs> kind of kind of an idea. So it it, it Gen AI creates efficiency gains. Uh, so we'd mentioned the software industry earlier. They're getting forty percent uh, productivity improvements. Now, not across the board, uh, but that's the kind of results. So you'd say, what's a company going to do? It's going to reinvest that in order to create a next generation of amazing things, be more productive, lower prices to its consumers. Or it's going to say, well, hang on, then I can just re reduce the cost base uh, by, by that amount. Yes. So if we look at some I industries, content creation, th that's already happening. Thank you ever so much for that res response, George. I really appreciate it. Now, I've got a final question for you here, George. Um, given your vast experiences of over more than 25 years in the investment industry, the multiple awards you've won, plus your five wonderful individual young people, <laughs> adults, some of them, um, that you've parented, um, co-parented, should I say, um, given all of that, what are you most proud of, George? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh... Peter, um, uh, and I'm not sure I can answer it um, off the off the cuff. 
Um, I, I've, I've done a number of transactions with companies. Uh, you've raised them money uh, and then that money then has been deployed into new products and the, because of that the company's numbers then have materially uh, improved. Um, the, I'm, uh, that's, such a, that's such a rush um, for me. Uh, doing the IPO of a company where it's a success and it generates funds for you know new shareholders, I don't know if you remember Focusrite uh, back in the day, that, that was such a, a pleasing thing to do and it's still still doing uh, really well. So that's a, so that's a huge positive. But, but clearly uh, questions like that are geared to say I'm so proud of my children because if there is any legacy it, it's those po five poor unfortunates. So. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that response. Um, George, thank you ever so much. Ladies and gents, um, that was George O'Connor the multi-award-winning information technology and software analyst. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us on the Investing Matters podcast today, George. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Um, and thank you ever so much. Take care and God bless you, sir. Thank you, Peter. Much appreciated. Best to you. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Investing Matters. Be sure to check out the London Southeast website for free tools and info to research your next investment. You can also join in the conversation on our social media channels. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content, including our CEO interviews. Catch you next time.